0: Okay, thoughts on Nicolas Cage? I think he's a genius. I mean, he keeps getting hired for some reason and it's not because of his hair. I don't know. If I was in 70 films over 30 years and I spent each one talking at random volumes, I might accidentally win an Oscar. I think our opinions about pop culture are fed to us by machines designed to criminalize human autonomy. Good one. Dear God. Stand right, give him space.
1: Nicholas Cage, good or bad? A challenge, certainly, but not insolvable because all
0: actors have distinct values, which I use to find answers. Abed, how much Nicholas Cage did you get? Enough! Want? I watched enough to find the answers. Because
1: this, this is my reality, this is how I learned to be, and my being doesn't allow for Nicholas freaking
0: cage! Oh! Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. 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 I'm a cat. I'm a sexy cat. Oh. 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 Abed, think of something safe, like Holly Hunter or Don Chino! Abed, Abed. That was brilliant.
2: folks welcome to episode 130 of not a bomb podcast this is the podcast where we go back and talk about the movies that bomb theatrically or maybe the critics just didn't like brad we are starting our year in review theme so december is all about movies that bombed in 2022 right
1: it is that's correct troy and you've, been, you've been listening. Good job. You I have. I have.
2: I paid attention. And I took notes. So for this episode, we wanted to bring back some fan favorites. And, and this gentleman, if you pay attention to the website, you might've stumbled across another little, um, I don't want to say little, uh, it's a very big deal, but a podcast that is also on our website, friends with Cinefits. And we are blessed to have Alex from that show, Back on the show, Alex, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
2: Oh, um, I'm so excited. Ple-
3: yeah, pleasure to be back. I think last time we talked, um, ready to rumble. Ready so to rumble. This, I think this movie is a little better, but I guess we'll figure it out.
2: Okay. Well, I, I have a quick question before we uh, talk about tonight's film. And, and Brad, which one are we going to discuss today? We're going to kick things off, I think, with my pick.
1: Yeah, it is the unbearable weight of massive talent. Nick fucking cage.
2: Yes. <laughs> Nikki cage. I'm excited. So I, I thought it'd be interesting to just talk about this year at the movies. Uh, what, what do you guys think of 2022 so far? I mean, did, did you have a good time at the films? Um, was there anything that just kind of stuck out, uh, in terms of this, this, the themes that you were seeing, uh, a, an example for me was I, I think horror had a, a really strong year in 2022 but uh, i'll start with you alex i mean how was going to the movies in 2022 did did you see a lot um did you like what you see
3: yeah i think i saw more than normal we moved in um i think june and there's a regal theater that's like a 5 minute walk from my apartment oh. so i got the unlimited and kind of just went and see saw a bunch of stuff um i don't know i guess before this i didn't go to the theater a lot so I've been impressed, and like, even if the movie I don't love, the movie I still enjoy, like, just the experience going and getting popcorn and um, all of that. I was really impressed with Barbarian this year. Oh, yeah. Um, that was one of my favorites. And then recently, I've been wanting to see like uh, Banshees of I don't know how to say that word, but um, oh, and then yeah. Tar and the Fablemans. And the menu, and like there's a bunch of stuff that I just haven't gotten to see that comes out around now, I assume, because of award season, but it's good. There were some good blockbusters. Um obviously, Top Gun Maverick was great. Yes, and, yes, it was. Um, I think this year is the first time I like fell off the superhero train. So it's been kind of nice getting more diversity in my theater going experiences. Uh,
2: that that's a good point. I, I gotta I gotta say, there was a time, probably. Uh, led up to 2019. Anything that was superhero related, I was there day one, and here we are. You know, recording on December fourth, and I still haven't seen uh, Wakanda Forever. Uh, I, I do want to check it out at some point, but it just hasn't been a priority. But I did see, you know, Violent Night with David Harbor on on Thursday night opening night. So I, I'm with you, Alex. I, I feel like I'm kind of superheroed out mm-hmm. with 2022 and the movies that i've gravitated to that were must see at least for me was just the non franchise stuff uh but i've i've had a i've had a really good year at the at the movies i don't know about you Brad did you get out much to to go see some stuff
1: i did i, I was going to mention the fact that this is the first year since 08 that i didn't rush out and see uh superhero films as well i think i i like Most superhero films, I like the spectacle, but it is, the formula is getting a little thin for me and they feel really samey and really safe. We've talked about it in the past. The superhero films that stand out to me are, are the ones like winter soldier that have like their own kind of spin to the, to the genre, add some things in the political stuff and the espionage stuff. Guardians of the galaxy felt fresh. Ragnarok felt fresh. Like, those ones that feel different now, I mean, they're so risk averse with those films that they just can't do anything risky. Um, and that's just starting to wear on me. Um, horror films. I think this year had a great um, resurgence and I feel like resurgence is probably not right. Cause I don't know if horror films ever really go anywhere. Like if you want to know like one genre that is consistently good year over year, it's horror. You might have to go and find it, but I feel like people will always put out horror films to try to scare people. Yeah, um, but, but this year for me was like a lot of foreign film stuff. Um, all quiet on the Western front. And then, of course, the big one was RRR, which when I saw RRR, I, I was completely blown away like everyone else. Did, did you um, see it in the theater? I did not. I had to wait. Um, it wasn't showing anywhere close to me here in southern indiana we are uh, oh, okay that's you're a little over, we you know come on man uh yeah how, how about you uh, alex
2: did you did you catch that one yet no
3: i haven't it's on the list obviously i think i heard you guys talking about yeah it. Jo- when um,
1: josh was on our episode he was already on that train of like watch out for this thing and yeah he is he has still been on that train every day uh he is out pipping that movie.
2: So yeah, he's, he's doing a lot of promotional work for it. Um, and rightly so, I mean, his, uh, his small company is kind of pushing it Mm -hmm. and, uh, on, on his advice, Cameron and I went to see it, uh, in, in the, in the movie theater on the big screen. And it was one of the most fun times we had at the films this year. It's pretty fantastic. Like, I, I love the fact that Indian film, Bollywood, Tollywood, you know, not going down that path again, <laughs> Yeah, but, don't screw that up. um, I, I love, I, I agree with you, Brad, like some, some of my favorite films, uh, and, and we'll probably talk about this when we get closer to the end of the year. Cause I, I haven't really made up my list, but I've got a feeling that the top films that I would pick or, or just, I had the most fun with and thought they were the best films are coming from different countries, Korea, India, uh, specifically. I, I mean, there's just some good stuff that, that came out of there. Would did you, when you went to the theaters, I'm really curious about this because um, me and the family were talking about this the other day when we saw violent night, has there been a showing that had sold out that you attended or was even close to selling out where you felt like there was just a lot of people the theater. Did that, did that happen to you at all this year? Uh, no,
1: I'm trying to think if, I've been in a theater that's been halfway full when I saw Sonic two, which is, which is uh, one of the bigger films I saw with a crowd. I mean, it was a lot of kids. I mean, my son involved too, but yeah, I, I'm trying to think, I think crowds are still, people are still not going to the movie like they used to. Um,
2: okay. At
1: least around here. Cause I used to, you know, see stuff every weekend and, and, now, when I go more sporadically, it still seems like less and less people.
2: Okay, what about you, Alex?
3: Um, I went to two that were like special summer showings that were pretty packed. One was um, Kiki's Delivery Service, and then um, the other one we went and saw Dirty Dancing for one of the, for its anniversary. I'd never seen it before, and that one was packed, and everyone was having a good time.
2: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, Top Gun Maverick. I saw opening day and.
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> you know what?
2: It yes. did. That it one did was sell out and packed. it yeah. was packed with a bunch of middle-aged guys with their Top Gun t-shirts, me being one of them. Uh, Thor Ragnarok or no, not Ragnarok. Thor 11th Thunder, Thunder. Um seemed pretty busy, <laughs> but there, I got to say my showings for stuff like Doctor Strange, um, even Black Adam, which I saw, I think the second week after it was out. Uh, didn't, didn't really actually feel like there was a whole bunch of people there and kind of like you, Alex, some of the older films that I went to see, I, I was surprised how many people showed out for, for those special screenings. Obviously they had like one or two showings during the week, but they were pretty packed, but you did the jaws thing, right?
1: Did you see jaws? I
2: didn't do the jaws. I, so you I did
1: uh, Dawn of the dead. I
2: did Dawn of the dead. Yeah. And, and, uh, surprisingly there weren't a lot of people for, for that showing on a Friday night. Mm. Um, so I, I thought this was interesting. So 2019. So I I guess we would consider that the last normal year for the box office, right? So this is pandemic. Yep. Yeah. Pre-pandemic. This is pretty interesting. So in 2019, the domestic box office data as of December 4th, that year, domestically, we had 11,363,360,889 in ticket sales, right? Okay. And do you do you guys remember what the number one movie was or the number one released domestically in 2019? Was that Endgame? That was Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. Really good. Okay. So 2020, right? We get into pandemic. Domestic box office drops to two million one hundred or excuse me, two billion one hundred and thirteen million, eight hundred and forty six thousand. Do you guys know what the number one domestic release was in twenty twenty? I totally forgot about this one. I don't. Oh, it, it'll surprise you. It's Bad Boys for Life. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. That was that was the top film for 2020. Did you guys see that? Is it good? I, I did see it in the theater. I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, I, I think. It, yeah. Yeah. It's a good one of those. It's it's a fun action film. I mean, it feels like a 90s action film, and and that's what it delivered upon, right? Mm-hmm. 2021. So last year. Uh, the box office did a little bit better. It's not pre-pandemic, right? The 11 billion. So 2021, it comes in at 4 billion 482 million 795 thousand. So it's still suffering in comparison. And uh, can you guys guess what the number one movie was last year?
1: Oh, it would have came out at the
2: end of the year. I'll give you a hint. Um, it is a comic book movie. Oh, geez. It's not Fast Night. Oh, it's No Way Home. Yeah, that's right. Spider Man, uh-huh. No Way Home. There you go. And uh, so far, 2022 is tracking a little bit better. So this is all uh, a game of inches when you look at when you look at this. Um, as of December fourth, the box office domestic total is six billion seven hundred forty-six million five hundred ninety-five thousand. And can you guys guess what the number one movie of this year is so far? Is uh- it?
1: maverick it's gotta be top gun maverick
2: it is definitely top gun maverick so here's how (laughs) here's how the top five are shaping up for this year okay so top gun maverick domestically 716 million doctor strange in the multiverse of madness is coming in at second place with 411 close behind that is black panther wakanda forever at 393 million can you guys guess what number four is
1: it's got to be Jurassic World, right?
2: It's Jurassic World Dominion at three hundred and seventy six million. And to round it out, what do you think the number five box office hit for twenty twenty two is? The Batman. Nope.
3: Well, I know it's not Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Yeah. It
2: is not that one. <laughs> it's not Love and Thunder. The mark just a little bit. It's not that one. No. It just barely slid behind Jurassic World. It is a summer film.
1: It's not Sonic.
2: No. Nope.
1: No. Okay. I have no
2: idea. It stars yeah, Michelle Yeoh. Everything, everywhere, all at no, once. No. 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 <laughs> no. no. Oh, I don't know what else. Oh,
1: what's that yellow movie? Uh, Minions.
2: Minions: The Rise of Gru. There <laughs> yeah. you go. Three hundred sixty-nine million. Yes. Damn
1: it! You know what? <laughs> you said Michelle Yeoh, and then the next th- nothing. I'm not going to say it.
2: Yeah. Which I'm yellow, very, yellow. I'm really curious to see that film only because in the trailer, I saw a nun with nunchucks and I'm like, well, that's, that's gotta <laughs> be a good film just based on that concept alone. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're not back to 2019, obviously. So um,
1: we're about uh, 60% of what we were in 19. Yeah, it'll be yeah. curious.
2: Cause we still, we don't have a full month. We have less than a month, but there is a heavy hitter coming out this month. And that's there's the avatar, the avatar sequel. How do you think that one's going to do?
1: Well, it has to do two billion dollars, right? No, a billion dollars to be profitable. So. A billion,
2: yeah, it's got to do a billion. <sighs> I, I don't know. What do you? I think don't if, see it. You don't see it.
1: It probably will be on the show because it'll make like eight hundred million dollars, and they'll consider it a bomb.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm super. I can't tell. Uh, I personally am not running out to see it on opening weekend. I am interested in it for James Cameron alone. But I got to tell you, the trailers make it look like the exact same uh, plot points and everything in the first film. And visually, it looks kind of cool with the water effects. Um, But I, I outside of I don't know. I just I'm I'm not hyped about it, but I don't know if you guys are or if you know people who are.
1: I'm I think I'm mildly, mildly curious because of James Cameron. And I I do like the first one for the technical like achievement that it was. It's not a great movie, but I think it it's got something there that begs you to go to the theater to see it. So I will probably see that um, just because I'm I'm more curious on what it is and what took so long. Yeah. Um, okay.
2: What about you, Alex? You are you going to be there day one? Mm-hmm.
3: No, I wasn't a fan
2: of the first one. I was,
3: like, 12 or 13 when it came out, so I didn't understand, like, the the technical, um, I guess, aspect of it. But everyone was... I get, I don't think I understood for a long time that, like, how, mu- how many people see the movie correlates with how good the movie is. Like, everyone I knew was talking about that. So, like, I went and saw it and, like, I don't know, didn't love it, so... Um, yeah, I don't really plan on seeing this one unless I hear great things.
2: yeah, it you, you got you cannot deny the impact of the first one from a cultural event standpoint, and it really brought this surge of three d uh, into the into the multiplex. I don't know if that's gonna happen this time around. Nope, but we've gone down that road too many times. Yeah, I, you know, until that technology from a home media standpoint gets a little farther developed. Uh, but you know, I
1: got- somewhere Jose's ears are burning.
2: I know, I know. Jose <laughs> is is the 3D fanboy, and and I got to tell you, the 3D technology for Dawn of the Dead was simply fantastic. So I am kind of excited to see the new Avatar film in 3D. But I'm I'm just I don't know. I I think I was excited with the concept of it, and as soon as the trailers dropped, I was like, yeah, I I just watching those trailers, it it kind of took my excitement level down maybe more realistic. I, I like the first one. I mean, it, it didn't set the world on fire from a storytelling perspective, but it was super entertaining. Uh, but I'll, it wasn't, I'll be curious. it wasn't
1: wholly original. Yes.
2: Yes. It was not wholly original, but you know, you cannot deny James Cameron as a craftsman, man, the guy can make a make a heck of a movie.
1: I feel like for a film that's coming out that costs a billion dollars, that's coming out in nine days from when we're recording this, it doesn't feel like many people are talking about it. It doesn't. Yeah feel like it's catching like that zeitgeist of of cultural relevance
2: yeah I'm, I'm with you i it just doesn't again. it has
1: to make a billion dollars to break even
2: yeah well china's on lockdown so it's probably not going to be making it there Mm-mm. nope <laughs> uh well, let's talk about a film that i happened to see the opening weekend because uh cameron and i were pretty excited about the new nick cage film especially when you saw the trailer and I got to I got to be honest with you. When we saw it and walked out of the movie theater, I thought, "Oh yeah, that that's going to get some good word of mouth. It's going to do just fine." And and here we are, December fourth, and oop, it didn't do so hot uh, this year. And so it was my first pick in in terms of the 2022 bombs we're going to talk about. So Brad, let's go all the way back to the beginning of of this year. Uh, I think it came out... um, Uh, Q2, Troy. Q2. Quarter two, so it's not too far away. But how how did this thing do, and what was it up against when it was released?
1: Yeah, so released April 22nd, 2022, with a reported budget of $30 million. Its total box office return domestically was 20.3, internationally 8.8, for $29.116 million. So just... Barely underneath its reported budget. Again, tack on marketing, distribution, all that other stuff. Um, we're looking at probably, you know, a fifteen to thirty million dollar write-off on on this film. Um, opening weekend makes seven point one three million dollars. That's good enough for fifth place. Ouch! It gets beats gets beat out by things like The Bad Guys, Sonic the Hedgehog two, uh, The Fantastic Beast. And the Northmen, which the Northmen Troy and I reviewed for uh the GGTMC, um which was a IFC. Bomb. Yeah. 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 So um yeah, yeah. Uh kind of a weird uh April now is considered um the kickoff of summer blockbuster now. Yeah, like pre um, which
2: is, pre-summer, yeah, pre-summer yeah, pre-summer.
1: Um yeah. Oh interesting f- fact on um I'm just gonna call it massive talent. Audience and the critics see eye to eye exactly on this film, both at 87%, which is very good. Oh yeah. Um for for a frame of reference, uh audience score for the wizard of oz is an 89. Um, so this is <laughs> scientifically, it's just two percent less than uh, the Wizard of Oz. So, just slightly less as good as the Wizard of Oz. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, I know. Okay, and our favorite Christian website. Oh movie yes. Movie guide. Movie guide for those aren't who aren't aware is a website that uh, reviews films not for their quality but for their contents, and they use a plus four to minus four scale. Plus four being the most holy, and um, minus four being Um, I don't know. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. Yes, you're going to hell. Here we go. While the worldview is hidden beneath the movie's comic and satirical nature, it contains mostly humanistic elements with some moral, redemptive elements about putting family first and sacrificing yourself and your needs for those you love. Oh, it does. Yeah, it's got a good message. <clears throat> foul language more than 70 f words mm. plus some s words mm-hmm. and several gd in jesus profanity
2: clutching my pearls
1: mm. <laughs> violence strong and light, strong and light action violence includes men shoot each other a girl is forcibly kidnapped by a cartel by a cartel that, okay yeah i guess that's right um a car chase occurs fighting and characters are stabbed by knives the violence is not graphic But some blood is shown sex, no sex scenes, a few crash jokes about pornography, acting and sex and a man kisses a a a hallucinization of himself. But this is played for comedic effect and
2: isn't sexual. Thanks for clarifying. (laughs) I don't I don't know. It might have been. I mean, honestly,
1: (laughs) yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, who knows me better than me? Right, Troy? Right, exactly. Um, nudity, upper male nudity at a pool. Um, alcohol use, uh, abuse, alcohol throughout characters get drunk several times throughout the movie, smoking and or drug use. Several characters smoke cigars and cigarettes. And I'm going to skip this last part because I don't want to spoil that scene because I think it's one of the best scenes in the movie. So we'll get to that later. Uh, miss miscellaneous mortality. It just says kidnapping. Oh, okay. So there you go. Okay. What was, films what was the you- score? Oh, I'm sorry. It was a minus two. Oh,
2: okay. All
1: right. Yeah, yeah. I was expecting a minus three when I saw this, to be honest with you. I but-
2: would have guessed a minus one. Oh, same here.
1: wow. Okay. Um, yeah. So films you could have seen in April of 2022, way back when, eight months ago, <laughs> we already said the Northmen. The bad guys um we also have that wormwood apocalypse film troy oh yeah uh, um i think you're the only one i know who owns that or has seen it
2: yeah i like that i like it's a sequel and i like okay. the first one quite a bit yep
1: uh of hedgehog 2 ambulance which i somewhat kind of enjoyed for we, the dumbest that, that was that
2: may show up on the show at one point
1: yeah um morbius which stay tuned for that and the contractor the chris pine film
2: okay Wow. So That is all. Yeah. Hey, I got to tell you, I saw the Northman in this one the same weekend and Ooh. I walked out of movies going 2022 is going to be a good year. Right. And I, I think I think Hollywood's back. Right. Now, obviously it isn't to 2019. We're, we're missing like six, seven billion dollars. So let's let's talk about this film. And we usually talk about the people behind the camera in front of the camera. This may be a short discussion. So the people behind the camera do not have a long resume. We'll start with director Tom Gormican. He's directed two films, this one, and back in 2014, That Awkward Moment. Have, have you guys seen that other film? I have not. No. Okay. Yeah, I didn't even know it existed. <laughs> uh, it's written by two people, Tom being one of those. The other one is Kevin uh, Eaton. Now, Tom, from a screenplay credit, has done The Awkward Moment, I guess he was a series creator and writer for a show in 2017 called Ghosted uh, that Kevin worked on as well. And then Tom also wrote this film. Kevin actually has a little bit more experience. Uh, he started back in '93 on The Late Show with David Letterman. He's worked on a lot of TV series like Ed, Desperate Housewives, Scrubs, Workaholics, uh, Ghosted, which we just talked about, and then um, was a co screenwriter on this film. When you move over to cinematography and editor, cinematography by Nigel Bluck, again, not a a deep resume. There's one film that sticks out, and I'm curious if you guys have seen this. 2019's The Peanut Butter Falcon. Yes, that's a wonderful movie. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree 100%. Uh, Troy, I
1: cried like a baby during that movie.
2: Peanut Butter Falcon? (laughs) Really? Yes. I did too.
3: Yes, I've seen it like four times, and I think I cried every time.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah. It it tears me up big time, but I I love it. I, oh yeah, it gets to me. Um, edited by Melissa Brotherton. Now she has some history, especially editing comedies. Anchorman Two: the legend continues spy 2016. She should have, she
1: should have edited that movie more.
2: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) ghostbusters 2016. Uh, this year she did another comedy me time, which I, what that was a Netflix film, right? Is that the Kevin Hart one? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yep. Okay. And then this one as well. So not a lot to do a deep dive on in terms of the people behind the camera. In front of the camera, I mean, this this is Nicolas Cage playing himself, playing himself right? And, and Nikki Cage. I think it's interesting. We, we've we talked at Nauseam about our favorite Nick Cage films and everything, I think, when we talked about Con Air.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: I, I just want to read what he's been doing the last couple of years and get your guys' take on him. So 2021 prisoners of the Ghostland, Willy's Willie's wonderland and pig. And this year we've got the unbearable way to massive talent and butchers crossing. Is, is this a typical, I don't know, example or offering of what to expect from Nick cage in general? Do you think?
1: I think so. Cause you get stuff like pig. That's amazing. And then you get some other stuff that's not so amazing. So you're getting, uh, both sides of of the
2: Nick Cage coin there. Okay. What about you, Alex? Have you seen any any or all of these?
3: Um, I've seen Pig. And then his only other, I guess, more recent movies I'd seen were Mandy and Color Out of Space. And I really like all three of those. But I think I can kind of tell whenever it's something that's not going to be great or something that's, I guess, more artistic that he, like, obviously has passion for.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I own all these. I have watched <laughs> <laughs> The Unbearable Weight and Willie's Wonderland. I haven't opened uh, any of these Blu-rays for the other ones. Uh, actually, I don't own Butcher's Crossing. I don't own that one. Um, Willie's Wonderland, for what it is, is a lot of fun. And I got to say, Nicolas Cage uh, drinking energy drinks and playing pinball for like two hours is a lot of fun to watch. So, And he has almost very little to minimalist dialogue and he does a lot with it. It's pretty cool. So that leads us to Pedro Pascal. Now I don't think we talked about, um, Pedro. He plays, um, Javi Alex. Are you, are you a Pedro fan?
3: Um, I was in game of Thrones, but I never saw Narcos and I only watched a few episodes of the Mandalorian.
2: So what I guess the fuck? Cool. you've only <laughs> seen a few episodes of the Mandalorian.
3: Yeah, I think that was about, like, when that came out, that was when I was really like, oh, movies are so much better than TV shows. So it was more like I was just being stubborn and trying to be different than everyone else, and then I just haven't gone back to it.
1: Uh, It's uh, The third season comes out in March, so you have, like, three months to get that rectified.
2: Okay. Uh, Dude, I thought I raised you better. (laughs) (laughs) This is crazy. Seriously. Mando. Okay. All right. What about you, Brad?
1: But the Red Viper in... um, Game of Thrones is an amazing character that has one of the best deaths in uh, TV history. Um, I, I'm i a huge Pedro fan. Um, everything. I remember seeing him in like The Great Wall, which is a weird movie that we'll probably do. Yeah. He was in The Adjustment Bureau, mm-hmm. that weird movie. Um, he's also been in some duds, like that Triple Frontier and obviously Wonder Woman 84. Oh, God.
2: Yeah, the worst film I, in 2020.
1: I think, though when he is on screen, I, I think I haven't seen anything that I thought you're not good. Um, right. He might not be in a good movie, but I think he does really well. He has a very awesome charisma. And uh, I think he's like, a really like strikingly good looking person that I think yeah. he's dreaming. He, he's very, dreamy. he can definitely <laughs> has that pull and he has like a, he definitely has a movie star. Um kind of look to him i don't know if he'll ever be like a tom cruise or anything like that but i think he's got some potential to really because he goes back and forth to tv and like he's going to be joel in the the last of us uh, tv series so i think he is one of these people that goes back and forth um between tv and film and uh you always wonder about guys like that. Like, are people going to at some point inside burn out on these people? But I think since he's playing such a diverse range of characters, it'll be interesting to see.
2: So, so this topic has come up in uh, entertainment news lately where people are saying there's, there's no more movie stars. Right. And there's this whole debate. I think it came from Tarantino um, and uh, Anthony Mackie's talked about it where, you know, people are going to see captain America. They're not going to see Chris Evans. Right. So the, the age of the movie star is dead, but you know, people are just going to see these characters. Do you think Pedro has the chance of being a movie star or is he a movie star already?
1: I uh, I think so. Like I'm not interested in The Last of Us. Like I don't know, like we've lived The Last of Us feels like the last two and a half, three years. Yeah. Okay. But I'm interested for that show, and mainly it's because of him. So he's got a pull to him that um again he's not tom cruise but there's no other actor like tom cruise but it's jackie
2: jam but yeah go ahead okay okay Okay,
1: um but i definitely don't see him as the characters he's playing right like he's not um he's not just mando to me um you know he's pedro so it kind of passes that Tarantino like are you the character or are you the actor he's definitely the actor
2: okay what, what about you Alex or it does does he draw you into to whatever it is that he's going to be in and do you think he has movie star power or is he just Mando
3: um I guess I'd say he's just Mando but I don't know I think we kind of like in a mo- in like the I guess film lovers circle we might like gravitate towards him more um but i don't know like in mandalorian does he wear the helmet like a lot of the time do you think that like could uh deter some of his like star power
2: it, it could I, I know there was a little bit of tension on the set because he wanted more face time and that's just not what the character is and and i gotta tell you you'll get to some moments uh not, not without spoiling it alex because i think you're going to be you know on a magical journey once you go back and watch it all Uh, there are moments that made me cry in Mando, uh, and, and when he's on and and meaning the actor, he's so good. I, I think this is the, I don't know. I think he's just a few projects away to be a, uh, movie star. I I think he's on the precipice of it. Now, something like the Mandalorian, somebody could come back and go, we're not going to see Pedro. You're going to see Mandalorian. But I gotta be honest, uh, just like you with The Last of Us, I, I have a huge appreciation for the video games, but I am not interested in a TV show based on a video game. I am interested in, in going to watch Pedro Pascal in a, in a new TV show. So, I, I think he's almost there. Uh, I, I kind of agree with you, Alex. He probably is um, more associated with that one character, but if you actually look at his body of work and what he's doing, and especially when we talk about this film, I I think the the dude is, is going places big time.
1: I think he needs a blockbuster, like dude, a big think, blockbuster. Yeah. Like, like Wonder Woman 84 wasn't it because it wasn't good. And it was a weird 2020 film. No one really saw it as much as they should have. Well, no one should actually see that movie, but um, I think he needs to be in a film that's huge. Like, something that you know gets like 750 million dollar return and then people will be like oh this guy this guy's got it i don't think enough people know of him just yet because they he needs that big film yeah he'll get it he'll he get it and i think you know i think at some point in time he'll be nominated for an academy award too so
2: oh 100 I, I agree with you. he needs that big blockbuster and then he needs that uh academy seasoned film mm-hmm. that one two combo punch and then boom solidified right uh, everybody else that we'll talk about uh, varying degrees of notoriety, right? <laughs> so we can talk about Sharon Horgan, who plays in the film, Nick Cage's wife, Olivia. A lot of TV, a lot of film. I think the only thing I recognized her from was Game Night in 2018. I don't know how familiar you are yep. with her as an actress. Yeah,
1: that was
3: it. Um, okay. I'd seen her in Bad Sisters. I think it's a Apple TV original um, I think it's a, wait,
1: wait, okay, okay. hold on. <laughs> it's a comedy series. Um,
3: Are you gonna
2: you, go ahead? Because I'm gonna ask the same question.
1: You watch Bad Sisters on Apple TV, which no one watches. Yep. <laughs> but you didn't watch The Mandalorian season one or two.
2: No, that that's what you're, that that's is what, true.
3: Okay, okay,
1: okay. just Jesus,
3: getting Alex. our priorities out there. You guys sure. should check it out. Like, watch an episode. No, Alex,
2: I'm not gonna check it out. I'm you're gonna watch Mando. We're watching, <laughs> <You're> watching Mando. <laughs> We should have got your sister on this episode. This is turning into a train wreck right now. Oh, man! <laughs> uh, Lily Sheen as Addie Cage, not a huge filmography as a child actor. She, you know, in 2006 was in stuff like underworld evolution. Click uh, hasn't really done a lot of stuff. I think this is kind of her biggest role to date, I think. And then we get Ike Barinholtz as Martin uh, who plays a CIA agent. Now, The next one, I think a lot of people know Tiffany Haddish as Vivian. She plays the other CIA agent. Most people will know her from the, the comedies, uh, like girls trip, night school. I think like a boss was the most recent one. She is a very funny comedian. But
1: people tell me she's supposed to be funny. I don't know if I find her all that funny.
2: I don't, but I mean, I'm not her demographic either. So, and all of her films like Girls, Girl Trip, Night School, like I haven't seen them. I do. Oh. I do want to point out one film that I know Brad you've seen, but Alex, I'm curious if you've seen this one. Keanu. Uh, no, no, it was last year's Paul Schrader's The Card Player. She was oh, in yes. that. Yep. Alex, have you no. have you seen that one yet?
3: No, nope, if I wanted
2: to. Okay, just cancel your Apple TV subscription <laughs> and watch the card player in Mando. Um, I got to say, Tiffany Haddish was really good in the card player. I don't know how, how you felt, Brad.
1: No, yeah, she was good in that. Um, and, and to be fair, I think she's good in a lot of stuff. She is a funny person, but people keep being like, no, she's real funny. I'm like, I think she's fine. I think she's yeah. really funny, but like – she's one of those comedians that people would seem to like shove down your throat. And I just don't understand it. I think she's a good actor, but I don't know. Yeah. I guess
3: I think Ike Barinholtz is kind of the same. Like, I feel like everything he's in, he's kind of shoved down
2: your throat as
3: well.
1: And he plays the same exact character. Yeah. Every time.
2: Yeah. And I mean, you've got two comedians playing CIA agents. They're, they're good in their sequences, but um, yeah, I don't, same thing with Ike. It's like, yeah, I know him. And I see him in, in these bit parts from a comedic standpoint. I, I don't get belly laughs out of the guy. But same thing with Tiffany Haddish. Like, yeah, like The thing I'm most impressed with Tiffany Haddish so far has been a, a dramatic film from Paul Schrader. So she's yeah. got some acting I mean,
1: Ike Barinholtz is like you lift his character from, say, I don't know, a really bad movie like uh, Suicide Squad and put him into this movie. It's the same guy. Yeah. He's Griggs or whatever his character's name was. Why do I know that? Why do I know Ike Barinholtz's uh, character in uh, the
2: Suicide Squad? Because you're cool, Brad. You're cool.
1: Yeah, am I? Okay. Yeah. No. Uh, like, important stuff could be stored up
2: here, Troy. Important stuff. That was important. No. You just Use used it. that information for a conversation. You're fine. Okay. Moving on. Alessandro Mastronardi as Gabriella, So that is the assistant, but also sort of the love interest of um, Javi. We get to Paco Leon as Lucas Gutierrez. So that is Javi's cousin. And last but not least, we have uh, kind of a glorified cameo a little bit. Plays a specific character. We get none other than Neil Patrick Harris as Richard Fink. So that's uh, Nicky Cage's agent. Real oh, quick, yeah. Neil Patrick's Harris fans, either of you?
1: A thousand percent, yes.
2: thousand percent? Okay. What about you? Sure. Guys? Sure?
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, I watched How I Met Your Mother growing up, and obviously I feel like that character's kind of iconic, I guess. Um, Barney. And then I just, I think the only other thing I've really seen him in was gone girl.
2: Okay. Yeah. Where he gets his dick cut off. Yeah. Uh, I'd never, so I haven't. Surely watched, you see his floppy cock in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's impressive. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, 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 I he's okay. I've ne- I haven't watched the, mm-hmm. how I met your mother television show Is The problem. And the sequences I have seen him in, I think he's pretty damn brilliant. Troy,
1: in real life, he's a gay man, and he plays one of the best, I, like, those guys I understand. Ever. I, need, ever. To, like I the,
2: need to go watch that show, because what I've seen of it makes me laugh a lot. It's,
1: it's really good, except for the last season. Last season yeah. is atrocious.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'll definitely get on that. Um, I'm not watching Sisters. I will watch How I Met Your Mother before yeah. this <laughs> Apple TV show. Uh, real quick, production and development, not much to talk about here. I thought it was kind of interesting. So Cage is playing a fictionalized version of himself, and uh, it, it bears very little resemblance to his real life, right, or his off-screen personality. And he originally turned down the role three or four times, but ended up changing his mind after Tom Gormican, who's the writer-director, actually sent him a personal letter to explain the script and what they were going for. And Nick cage kind of came back and said, okay, I read that letter. And I think this guy understands the Nicholas cage filmography and what this film is going to be. Uh, and, and he agreed to it and it ended up actually being a producer on the film as well. Mm-hmm. So outside of that, pretty easy peasy on the filming, no, you know, disastrous stories or people walking on set getting killed, whatever it is. Right. Uh, which is unusual, if you think about some of the bombs that we talked about in the past. So that's that's all the homework. That's all the background. Are you are you guys ready to talk about this movie? I can't wait. Okay. Yeah. I, I do have a question for you, real quick. Before you do that, did did you when you saw the trailers and everything for this, and saw that it was coming on the theaters, um, did you think it was going to bomb?
1: I thought if any time a Nicolas Cage driven. Nicolas Cage movie was going to not bomb. It would have been in 2022 where he was kind of having that renaissance. Okay. Mandy was huge pig. People were talking a lot about, he seemed to be like, Oh wait, like is Nick Cage good all of a sudden. And then you see this trailer and you're like, Oh, okay. Like he's riding this wave of momentum. People seem to be very interested in what he's doing. And then it came and went. So yeah, I I, I thought it was going to do well, but
2: okay. What about you, Alex?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think, um, all of the supporting cast, like having Tiffany Haddish and Pedro Pascal, Mike Barinholtz and Neil Patrick Harris, like I think they were going for this being like his big, um, return, but like, I guess just based on like pig and all that, not really having other big names or
2: recognizable
3: people. Um, but yeah, I think Nick Cage is very polarizing. Like, doesn't Tabitha hate Nick
2: Cage? Tabitha hates Nick Cage. Yes. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I think he's like a you love him or you hate him. And I know a lot of people that hate him. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, still people aren't going to the theaters as much. So I guess I was like, I could see that bombing, but I was hoping it would just for like his sake.
2: Yeah, I, I got to be honest. When I saw the trailers, and I kind of went with with Brad's um, perspective on it. I think he was having a Renaissance. Um, he was coming back, not that he ever went anywhere. Um, (laughs) and, and I thought, okay, this is going to be the film that those who don't like him or on the fence might actually come around, uh, because Pedro Pascal's there and this movie, I never thought it would come out and be like number one at the box office, but I thought it would be a really good counter programming to what was coming out in April kind of pre-summer and it would have legs. And so I thought that this wouldn't necessarily, th- this is the film that I was kind of sitting here thinking that, hey, in some alternate reality, December 4th, we'd be sitting here and going, hey, remember this uh, movie that Nicolas Cage put out in April? And it ended up being sort of a box office sleeper. Like it hung around that second, third, and fourth place for so long that on that minuscule budget, it ended up bringing like 80, 90 million dollars. Mm-hmm. Like I thought it would be that kind of film. So I was really surprised, uh, when we were kind of talking about bombs for this year that this was right there on the list and it's like, okay, we got to talk about it. So yeah, you
1: feel like, oh, this is going to net like 20 million for the studio all yeah, in,
2: all in. Absolutely. I, it just felt like it, 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 it felt, it felt like it had all the the secret ingredients that would make that little sleeper hit, you know? Okay. So let's uh, take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to share our thoughts on Nicholas's, Nicholas's cages. Nicholas's Nic- Cage. Nikolai. Nikolai Cage's um, <laughs> Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent from April of this year. And we may sneak in our thoughts on another movie. Uh, well, you know what? I'm getting ahead of us. Uh, so we'll be back.
3: Well, you see what I get from the refreshment counter. Oh,
0: boy, popcorn and hot dogs and ice cream. And, oh, boy. Sparkling ice-cold Coca-Cola. Oh, boy, that tastes good. Have you been to the refreshment, Connor? Remember, your favorite snack will taste especially good with world-famous ice-cold Coca-Cola. Five Fingers of Death is a film you must see. The new movie sensation that's stunning the world. A martial arts masterpiece. Be a witness to the forbidden secrets of the Five Fingers of Death. See the exotic temptress perform her enticing love dance. Ah! See the attackers leap 20 feet into the air in an unbelievable attempt to crush their victim's body. See Five Fingers of Death use mighty powers to torture, to maim, and to kill. see sight you have never seen before in Five Fingers of Death, a film packed with suspense, action, and thrills. From Warner Brothers, rated R under 17, not admitted without parent.
2: Hey, gentlemen. I'm curious. Uh, this was a first-time watch for Brad. Alex, how many times have you seen this already? Um, I'd say like
3: around three times.
2: Oh, okay, around three. I like it. Yeah. All right. This is my second watch. Saw it in the theater opening weekend. Watched it on 4K. I'm gonna I'm gonna start with our our guest, uh, Alex. What did you think of the unbearable weight of massive talent from this year?
3: Yeah, I think it's a very entertaining film. Um, I think going into it, I thought it was going to be like, oh, um, The Lost City, I think is what it's called, with like Sandra Bullock and... Did you like that Canning one? Tatum? I, uh, I mean, it was fine, I guess. Um,
1: Hasn't seen made in a long... No, I'm okay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> But like, I think it ended up being much better than The Lost City. Like, the chemistry between Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal was incredible. Um, And you guys talked about Shawshank last episode, I think. And, like, I think this has a similar bromance where, like, um, you know, you just want to see these two guys, like, hang out and, like, have a good time. Um, So, yeah, it's been good. The reason I've seen it three times was, like, I saw it the first time and loved it and was blown away. And then the second time I watched it, um, there's a certain part, which I guess I'll wait to get to. But I think I just kind of stopped paying attention. And so I finished it up like a week later. And then I watched it again today. And at that same point, I kind of had the same exact, like my attention kind of went away from it. Um, But like, all in all, I think it's great.
2: It's a lot of fun. And I don't know. I wish more people had seen it. Okay. How how was your viewing Brad? First time watch.
1: Yeah. I thought this was wildly entertaining. Uh, I was expecting it to be way more referential than it ended up being. Now there are, a few references to his films. And of course there's a joke about bees. And of course that's a wicker man, all the, all this stuff. Like I, I thought there was going to be more of, Hey, remember when I was in X and when I was in Y, it really <clears throat> isn't that film. Like it is meta. Obviously Nicholas Cage is playing himself, but it they actually go a little bit straighter with it than I thought. Um, now this is a very funny movie. And I don't know if it was just me or what kind of mood I was in, but the LSD scene in this
2: movie oh Jesus.
1: <laughs> was one of the most hearty belly laughs I've had in a long time. Um especially when he walks around the wall, I was dying and it, it sometimes it takes me you got to be like your jokes got to land for me to to really get like a deep laugh and and I was I was uh definitely rolling a little bit.
2: Um, can, can we agree that that LSD scene alone is some of like the best cinema from this year? Oh, that whole I would sequence say so. Is, yes, is yep. absolutely fantastic.
1: Yep. Um but like Alex was saying, like Pedro and in Nicolas Cage together, like their chemistry is spot on and I believe that friendship in as the film was going, I was like, there's no way hobby is the bad guy. There's no way. Cause <laughs> it just seems like he's such a good guy. Um, and he's so, I, I, I don't know. I like, I, I don't want to undersell how good Pedro was in this movie. Cause he is maybe the best part of it in a film. That's about Nicholas cage. Um, but I don't think if, if he doesn't sell that fanboy character in a, like an earnest way, I don't know if it feels as good as it does. Um, Yeah, but for a hundred minute film, um, I was riveted, not riveted, but I was entertained the entire time. I really enjoyed um, where it went. Um, It gets a little weird in the third act, um, but there is like a, a payoff for that as well. So I think all in all, it was way better than I thought even as my expectations had to shift while I was watching it again, I thought this is just going to be like a Nicolas cage metaverse movie. And it's not, it's not that at all. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I, I am actually kind of excited to see this again at some point in time, because I know um, I'll pick up on, on more stuff and more of the comedy. That's what I like about, you know, some of these, little smarter comedies is like you'll pick up on jokes maybe that you missed the first time but um, yeah man I thought this was one of the more entertaining films I've seen this year
2: okay so I Alex brought up a title and I, I didn't even think about this the lost city so we had a another sort of buddy action film and it is a bit meta as well it, it doesn't go the direction that this is doing in terms of lampooning a very specific actor, but the lost city is trying to lampoon what the, the romance novelist and in that mm-hmm. whole genre and all in all, it's, it's very much a, a I don't want to say a remake, but inspired by movies like romancing the stone, et cetera. Right. Same kind of plot beats. Mm-hmm. Now the lost city came out in March. I think it was the end of March. And then this one comes out in April. Did you guys now, Alex, you've seen The Lost City, Brad, did you see it?
1: I tried to watch it on streaming and I made it about thirty-five minutes and didn't wasn't it didn't really grab me and at this point, like there's so much other stuff. If it if I'm not feeling it, I'm turning it off and
2: going to something else. So I
1: did not finish it.
2: Okay. Um I I kinda hated it, to be honest with you. I, I didn't enjoy it that much at all. I mean, I watched it all the way through. There is some moments in it, but, uh, I, I got to tell you the Channing Tatum, Sandra Bullock chemistry didn't work for me. Yeah. And and I'm not sitting here saying that, Oh, romancing the stone is so much better, et cetera. I, I think it is a better film, but it's also a very different film compared to what the lost city is. Do you think that having the lost city come out and being so close to what this is maybe stole some of the thunder of this movie?
1: I think so. I think that's a good point because they're relatively similar in. We've talked about it in the past, right? How many, how many times do people go to the theater a year? The average person right. somewhere between like three and five. If you just went and saw the lost city because, oh, I like Sandra Bullock. She was in the blind side and she was in speed. Um, and yeah, Channing Tatum is a safe character or a safe actor. I'll go see that film. Um, yeah, like Definitely. Stole it sunder.
2: Okay. And throw in the fact that, like Alex said, you've got some uh, divisive opinions of Nick Cage. You think that was just the nail in the coffin then?
1: Yeah. Because again, if I'm going and I'm spending $15 for a ticket and I'm going to be like, is Nick Cage just going to be Nick Cagey all over this film and overact <laughs> and do this and that? And I've already seen a kind of a meta film last month. I really want to waste my money on this. Probably not.
2: Okay. Uh, You agree with that, Alex? You think that's.
1: Yeah.
3: I think the, the names of the lost city, like Channing Tatum, Sandra Bullock, and then Brad Pitt was even like heavily featured in the trailer. I think. Sure. Um, So yeah, like, I don't know. I'm sure that movie made a lot more money just made almost $200
1: million. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, (sighs) I, I, I'm so mad at the word, like I'm, I'm yelling at the internet because how, how can the lost city be a successful box office film? And this film didn't, didn't even make its production back. That, that kind of anger, that's old man yelling at the clouds, angry.
1: (laughs) I Uh, remember seeing the lost city all over the place though. I I don't remember a whole lot of marketing push behind massive talent. I just don't, I don't know if it had the same,
2: push. I'm sure it's a different budget caliber too, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh and, and you guys said it. So for me, Cage and Pascal are just so much fun to watch. I mean the reason to see this film is that relationship. And uh Pascal pretty much steals every scene he's in. He looks like he's loving just being next to Nicolas Cage, which adds that depth of realism to Javi's character. Uh I, I'll say this. I don't I don't think the film it's, it's not as smart, subtle, or subversive as something like Hot Fuzz. Uh, Hot Fuzz, I think, is the pinnacle of the, here's a movie that's making fun of movies, and it might be making fun of some characters, but then you get this redemptive character arc that goes through it, and then <laughs> ends up being... You know the thing that it was lampooning at the beginning of the film right i mean that, that's yeah. hot fuzz
1: that's yeah but that's like you said it's kind of not fair hot fuzz is probably you know a top 20 comedy of all time
2: i, I agree if the top 10 yeah. maybe yeah um but you know i don't want to i don't want to just say because it doesn't reach hot fuzz levels it's mm-hmm. not any good it it's a pure joy to watch nicholas cage and pedro pascal like work off of each other and and you said it brad i mean The LSD scene alone, even, even if you think their third act is a little problematic and you can kind of check out of that because it does kind of just become a action adventure trope where they, they make that comment and they're like, well, let's not go down this path. And they go down that path. Right.
1: Yeah. Which was a little disappointing.
2: It, It is, but you still get some amazing moments, um, which I think is worth, you know, the price of admission. Now, here's the biggest question I wanted to talk about, because I don't think this felt like this. This is one of those movies you go. It was a lot of fun to watch. You should see it. Uh, It's a good action comedy. That's about the the depth you can get to it in term. The cinematography. You're not going to be talking about the cinematography. You're not going to be talking about the editing. You could talk about the performances all day,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and that's fantastic. But I I do think there is something kind of interesting here and it's this theme of breaking down the differences between a film and a movie. Okay. Yeah. So I kind of find that interesting and it does it at the expense of Nicolas Cage's screen persona. Right. So the big, the big running joke in here is that Nicolas Cage is trying to, uh, how do you, how do you say it? Like sculpt his daughter's, Movie opinion by showing her all these films and telling her what is good,
1: which it, Troy, we're guilty of. You're guilty of doing it to Alex. I, I know you. I did I it, it to Alex. You, I, I did it
2: to Alex. 100. No. Years and years, Alex. I subjected now he's to
1: curse to being on a podcast, like. And I apparently
2: I screwed me, up somewhere because he's out there watching Sisters on Apple and not Mando. Bad
3: Sisters. I'd recommend it though.
2: Bad Sisters. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, so I, I just I. Alex, I, I do want to ask you that question. I mean, I lived through this from my father who was taking me to all these movies and like, this is why you need to understand this one. Uh, here's Robert Mitchum. Here's John Wayne. Here's why the Westerns are important. Um, here's, you know, your classic film noir. Uh, and, and it's funny, like we, we would go see Sylvester Stallone's rhinestone, Dolly Parton, freaking love that film. And then we'd go see the wild bunch. (laughs) So I, I got exposed to everything. So I, all three of us not only have been perpetrators of this, but we've been the receivers of it too. And Alex, I, I mean, I'm guilty of it um, to you. Yeah. But it, it does bring up this interesting question, of film versus movies. So what is the difference between a movie and a film? I guess let's start there. What do you think? It I is? think
3: for, for me, like a film is what, like when someone's creating it, it's like art to them. Like, um, I don't know. It has more feeling, but then a movie to me seems more something that like doesn't take as much risks. It's kind of there for the point of entertainment and to make money. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I also think something cool about this movie or film, I don't know which one to say now, um, but like the love of film is up front. Like yeah. you said, he's pushing his um, love of, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And his wife says, you're surprised that your 15 year old daughter doesn't (laughs) want to watch an insane 100 year old German film with you. And I feel like there's times like with my girlfriend, I'll be like, Hey, we should watch this. And then I'm like, yeah, this is a silent film from the twenties. So yeah, I don't know. I think we're all guilty of it, but I don't know. I guess what's, what's your guys um, opinion of films versus movies. Yeah. I go ahead, Brad.
1: Yeah, I, w- I was going to say, if the purpose of the film is a more artistic, but I don't know, because like, do we consider Jaws a film or a movie? It's the probably the biggest, like the first summer blockbuster, but I still consider it a film, because I don't know if Steven Spielberg set out to
2: change cinema. Well, he, that, I, so I don't know. That brings up a good question. I don't know. So Alex and, in like I'm a gonna,
1: Jurassic Park, is that a film or a movie? I yeah. Don't know. That so, one.
2: I'm going to paraphrase Alex for a second because I thought it was pretty interesting. Alex is saying, and stop me if I get this wrong, like, and I'm going to oversimplify. A movie is its purpose is commercial, right? And entertainment. Mm -hmm. A film, its purpose is to be artistic and maybe have some type of messaging in some fashion. A film is
1: probably a little bit, has a little bit more to explore.
2: Okay. But, but Alex, you're the key point to either of those, whatever kind of adjective you put within movie or film, you talk about it from the concept of purpose. Like what was the purpose of the director, right?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think it's a Venn diagram also. Like there's definitely overlap. Like when you said Jaws, I think that's the perfect combination of a film and a movie.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Which maybe why it still resonates so much because it, probably it gets both jaws is so many people's favorite film but also it's so widely popular because it was such a blockbuster and so yeah
2: man but it, it's interesting because i i because sometimes
1: I, I use them interchangeably and i know i shouldn't uh but i just do it because calling something a movie a hundred times is it's repetitive
2: yeah but well, but, I, I think there's a hierarchy of pompousness, I guess, to it. You go cinema, film. Oh, yes. Movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. So when you're like, oh. Is flick below movie? Flick is below movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, flick is. Flick that's, is where Na-
1: that's where Navy SEAL sits.
2: <laughs> yeah, pretty much like all all of your trash cinema that, you know, Don the Dragon Wilson starred in that is awesome, right? Um, yeah, no, no, no. I, I'm I'm always curious about that question Yeah, because people
1: would call them Flu flicks. So, Oh boy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, but it's, it's, it just sits right under that movie thing, right? Uh, it's almost like the direct to VHS era. A lot of stuff that came out of there that was action, the, the nineties thriller, sexy thriller, stuff like that. So what, what I'm always interested about this film and even interested in talking, uh, with people like was at a Christmas party last night. We had a really good conversation about movies versus film and what movies came out this year versus what films came out this year. But even before you talk about that, you get you got to get some kind of definition around it so you're all talking about the same thing. And and I like your example Alex of the Venn diagram like I think purpose you got to start with purpose. What what is the director saying? What are they trying to do with this thing? And at some level now you've got the reaction. So that's the audience piece of it. And so you you could start out going, well, I'm going to make a film. And then you get the audience reaction and they go, well, that's not even a movie, that's a flick, right? <laughs> and mm-hmm. Some things start out with the intent or the purpose of commercial success and entertainment, but from the audience's reaction or even time, it gets elevated to that status of film. Jaws is a great example, I think.
1: Yeah. And, and no one would argue like, the MCU. Those are all movies. Those is that's the like not only is that the Marvel cinematic universe, that's the movie cinematic universe. So like, should it should it be the movie.
2: Marvel movie universe? I mean, is is yeah. using is saying it's cinematic? Yeah. Is it like yeah. fake?
1: Yeah. And that doesn't even work anymore because they're on TV now.
2: So like yeah, it doesn't that doesn't work. Um so is is that is that a good description of it? Like it starts out with a purpose, like to Alex's point, and then you have to layer in how it's received but it really comes down to commercialization entertainment versus art and messaging a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So here's my question. The the <laughs> next question, um, mainstream cinema today, what has come out that has been a film or what movies have come out that you think might turn into films eventually? Uh, or I, I mean, do you, do you, can you think of anything in 2022 that kind of elevates or, or goes up to that top tier of cinema. I got to pull up what movies I watched this year.
1: Well, I mean, I think Nope to me, it's doing that Venn diagram thing, right? Cause all of Jordan Peele's films set out to be big, but there's definitely this larger idea behind them which I think he's setting out to make films. Now the studio is hoping that they're movies. Okay. But I think his intent. Um,
2: you think that one will stand the test of time?
1: I do. I do because it, it's going to be one of those where one of those movies or one of those films that uh, people can go back to. Cause I, I will, I will, you know, I, I'll let you know now, like it's been a, a few months since I've seen that, that I still think about Nope, not once a day, but it comes across my mind every once in a while. Um, and I think that's the sign of good art, maybe not even good art, just art that you have a
2: reaction to. Okay. Can, can you think of any Alex? It's a good example. I, I personally don't have the love for Nope that I know that you Sammy and others have and, and where, my problems come with Nope is specifically for the film that you just mentioned jaws. Like the, the third act is, is just, um, it seems to that movie seems to run out of steam and then become a copy of jaws. And I I don't know if that's intentional or they're trying to say Mm -hmm. something by doing that. I'm really curious to go back and revisit it, but I didn't fall in love with it instantly. I thought it was pretty good, but I I can't sit there and say that I think about that. As a matter of fact, I forgot that it came out this year until you said it. (laughs) So, um, can you have any candidates for, for film or movies that are going to be films?
3: Um, I think the one movie, just looking at what I watched this year that I would say is a film was 3000 years of longing. Did you guys
2: catch that one? I have not seen that yet. No, haven't seen it yet. Okay.
3: Um, yeah, George Miller, but it's definitely like, it's heavy on the dialogue. Um, I think the, um, watch skip plus guys talked Mm -hmm.
0: about it. Yes.
3: Um, and that's why I went and saw it and like, yeah, I don't think I would call that film a movie because it's definitely like, it doesn't, it like demands your attention, I guess. Um, you can't go into it like half-assed. Like you kind of have to focus on it to really understand it. I think.
2: Okay. Yeah. The, the only two, I mean like
1: X, like is
2: X out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I it's, it's interesting. I, I think barbarian might, I don't know that, that one, I think the purpose of it is commercial, but it has some very subversive messaging in there. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you, you could make the case that it started out as a film and ended (laughs) up being a commercial success. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I think, I think that case could be made the two films that I can think of that I've seen this year that I have thought about that when I go, okay, I think the intent of them were films and I don't know from a, from an audience reaction if it came, well, one of them did not come back as a commercial success. The other one did, but I still think uh, the audience understood it in, in terms of its art. But um, the first one we talked about, and it's the Northman that came out in April. Like, I think I think that is a film, and it's got a lot to say. It was not a commercial success, and I think that's one I'll be revisiting quite a bit. Um, and it's just visually impressive. The story's interesting. It's got some interesting thoughts about the human condition and revenge. And then the other one which I think is going to have a lot of legs is, uh, none other than Michelle Yeoh's everything, everywhere, all at once.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that too.
2: Yeah. I think, I think that's a great example of a film that came out this year that people are going to be talking about. And you know, it, is it a four's biggest hit right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and I think that's a studio a 24 puts out films, period, period.
2: Yeah. I, I agree, and the, a lot of them are coming back with some commercial success mm-hmm. now, moderate. But I, I think I think they employ artists, uh, and the stuff they put out is super interesting. I don't know. I've been kind of happy with the output this year. There Did been, you see After Yang? Mm-mm.
1: That's a film too.
2: Oh, okay, there's. I gotta say, honestly, and this is my own fault. I I don't know how you guys feel. I've seen more movies than films this year. Yeah
1: there are always more. I mean, in movies come to the theater more often than films do.
2: They, they do movies support films, right? Mm-hmm. So you got studios will always want to get a big blockbuster so that they can spend some money on, you know, the films like violent night. That's 100% a movie. It's a fun movie. It's a violent movie. <laughs> um, it, it has some messaging in there, but it's not going to like change your life by watching it. Uh, and John Leguizamo made a really good film. I'm, I'll go on record and say that. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know about you guys. And I, I, I assume that's the way it is like every year. You see more movies than films, especially if this is your hobby. But I'm always I'm always wondering, like, is there going to be a point in time? Do you think I, I I almost am a little afraid of this between streaming services and the box office? I, I got a I got a feeling that films are getting harder and harder and few and far between.
1: Well, this is also the year for me that streaming film Uh, Well, outside of maybe Prey, Hellraiser, where the stuff I saw straight to streaming was a lot of trash. Like the Gray Man and some of that stuff was just trash, man. Like I just, I hated most of it. It just seemed so throwaway. So they weren't even movies. Yeah, they weren't even movies. They were, I mean, yeah, they were flicks, even if that. So like the straight to streaming to me is almost starting to feel like straight to video.
2: Okay. What do you think, Alex?
1: Um, I'm sorry. What was the question?
2: <laughs> no, I just I, – I, it, it, film has always uh, – or movies have always output, outpaced film in terms of like how much gets out into yeah. the market, right? But this year, I, there, I've, I've actually seen some good films, but I'm starting to wonder with the amount of um, – even the big budget box office stuff is bombing, Mm -hmm. And, you know, stuff like Wakanda forever, it's not going to make anywhere near the money of the original Marvel movies and and even DC films are not getting the return anymore. Now, obviously, there's a there's a macroeconomic thing happening in in countries like China. They're just not going to the films to support this stuff, which is where some of the box office will come from. But do you think that we're starting to see a year with streaming services and theatrical where film is going to get harder and harder to find and see because nobody's going to want to take a chance on it and it's they're just going to you know kind of lean yeah. into movies a little bit more
3: it, yeah i think we're like kind of feeling that i've been trying to go see movies that like i hear oscar academy awards buzz for um but they're just still showing like lilo Lyle, 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 Lyle crocodile or something like six times a day
2: yeah and, and top so gun came out again right yeah exactly <laughs> um So
3: I don't know. I think it's getting harder to like locate those things. And if I do want to see them, I have to drive 45 minutes away to like go see something like that up in Denver. So I think it's getting harder to watch films and they're just throwing more movies out. But I will say like, I do like, I don't know how often this happened before COVID. um, But like them showing a lot of old movies has been really cool for me. Cause like I went and saw the Godfather in theater and that was I think my first time watching it since like junior high school and it was incredible. So I do like the, it seems like they're doing more stuff like that, but I don't know how common that was pre pandemic.
2: Mm. I, I kind of
1: depends on your area.
2: Yeah. I was going to say now living out in Baltimore between uh, the AFI, the Senator and even yeah. the parkway, that that's just a common thing. Right. So, but back in Evansville, Indiana and Alex, I, I, I know those, <laughs> the decades that we yeah. lived together more or less, it was very hard to go to the theater and see older films. So I agree with you. It, it's become, what is it, the Fandango movie events? I know Regal puts those out, mm-hmm. et cetera. Those are are pretty common anymore, but I, th- I think to Brad's point, it depends what market you're in. I assume. Yeah. Yeah. That makes uh, sense. Uh, but I, you know, that's the thing I love about this movie. I, I, I mean, I don't think, unless you guys disagree, unbearable way to mass the talent, a movie I don't think it's a film, but I do think as a movie, it dances around that edge of film and it does make a good point that you can have your, your uh, I don't know, <laughs> elite list of films that are your favorite films to kind of show off to everybody that, oh, you love film and you love cinema, but there is, um, you can love movies too. That's okay. Mm-hmm. And your favorite films can be a movie. And I I like that messaging that this has.
1: Yeah, uh, I didn't know if I was—I didn't know they were going to reference Calgary so much in this movie, but they do. They (laughs) mentioned it like five times. I'm like, okay, we get it.
2: Yeah, they do. But they also reference Paddington Two a lot. Yes, they do. So funny story. (laughs) When uh, when Cameron and I saw this film, and there's a running joke through the film about Paddington Two. And how freaking amazing that movie is. And and Javi says it's part of his top three greatest films of all time. So it was what, Face Off and Cabinet of Dr. Caligari and yeah. Paddington 2. As soon as that came up, Cameron and I looked at each other and we're just like, Alex. <laughs> so Alex, you, do you want to tell the story? Like Alex is a huge Paddington fan, right? Yeah. How excited were you for this this referential joke?
3: um I was pretty pumped I think Paddington 2's kind of become memeified. um like for a while it uh, dethroned citizen Kane as like the highest reviewed movie in on Rotten tomatoes um and like even the review that i guess brought that down it I don't know it kind of seemed like he was just doing it to uh, grind some gears I guess um but yeah I was pumped I love Paddington I got like um the first book i got like stuffed animal for it and i don't know it's one that i watch all the time both movies
2: actually it is it, when alec the only reason why we saw the first paddington is because of alex uh and his love for that thing but i had never seen paddington 2 until today <laughs> oh have you seen it, Paddington 2, Brad?
1: Dude, I have a six and a three-year-old. <laughs> so, yes, you've seen <laughs> two, that. Yes, Yes, yes.
2: Uh, Troy, is that that glow
3: coming from you? Is that the Paddington 2 glow that I, I see? I
2: think it is. <laughs> so I just wanted to spend a couple of minutes and and just talk about Paddington 2. <laughs> Let's just talk about Paddington from 2. From 2017. Okay? Uh, Or should I say 2017's The Bearshank Redemption? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So – uh my God, that pop-up book sequence is <laughs> stunning. Holy cow. Like that, Tabitha and Angel watched it with me today. And Tab, Tabitha's trying to do math work. And this pop-up sequence, she stops what she's doing to watch that. It is one of the most visually impressive things I've seen in a long time. It's so cool. I, I think overall the film has a, an interesting storybook visual presence that can actually be breathtaking in some sequences. Like I, I was thoroughly just my socks were were blown right off Where i'm like i'm watching paddington 2 and the shots in this movie uh rival hugo to some degree which is another you know the the scorsese kids film um and i laughed a lot i got to tell you the the bear slapstick moments are pretty damn funny <laughs> did you cry a lot i
1: <sighs> when that bear goes into a coma Troy, come on
2: i teared up quite a bit at the end there um, and it really got me that, that end. What I really respect more of this film is it gets to this ending and the big reveal of the birthday present, the birthday. And oh my God, I'm just like, <laughs> who's chopping onions in here. gee when he's Christmas and they don't linger on it. Like it, it does it. And then you go right into the credits. And it has one of the perfect endings um, I've seen in a long time. It's a it's a prison movie. <laughs> it's a goddamn prison movie. Andy from Shawshank and Paddington have so much in common, and they're also tackling the same things. Um,
1: Ironically, Paddington crawled through three football fields worth of shit too. To you know, <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's
2: he's not getting that smell out either. Yeah, poor. I, I found hey Brad. I found the escape. In Paddington Two, more <laughs> thrilling than Shawshank Redemption. Okay. I right. I, I'm and you're not you're not gonna like this, Brad. I think oh. Paddington Two is a way better film than Shawshank Redemption. Heck yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I mean, uh, I'll
1: give it to you. Paddington Two is a, is an amazing film.
2: Uh yeah, it's. I would I was shocked how good it was. Hugh Grant, great fun villainous <laughs> performance. Um. But I don't know, Alex. You you want to rave about Paddington too? Some of your some of your favorite moments, or or why uh, you love the film so much?
3: Yeah, it's incredible. It makes me want to be a better person. Um, <laughs> Paddington's like he doesn't mean anyone harm, and like I don't know. That's I guess I wish that was my goal and everyone's goal in life. The world would be a better place. As everyone had seen Paddington, I guess. Um, but it's also like you said, it's beautiful. The colors are incredible. Oh God, yeah. I love like how as his prison sentence goes on, the prison gets more and more beautiful. And like there's music playing, the warden like reads a bedtime story to everyone. Their uniforms are pink. And yeah, I love it. It's so good.
2: I, I do love when the, the warden uh, is reading the bedtime story and he's done and you hear this collective, Aw. <laughs> like, Oh, like, yeah. no time for, and there's a sequence when they're doing this. This is what makes the, the, the prison escape. So thrilling you, you get, God this movie I'm the super- Prison Escape
1: in Paddington 2 <laughs> The Prison
2: Escape in Paddington 2 it starts with a a zoom in of the model of the prison that then opens up and then you see all of the cells and then it comes down to those four cells and you have the three criminals and then Paddington doing all of the same things as they drop through it is so impressive and I I I literally my my mouth just hit the floor I'm like <laughs> God dang, this looks great. It looks amazing. I'm sorry, Brad. I was
3: worried you were going to hate Paddington too.
2: Well, um, your sister, Angel, after it was over, <laughs> because here's the other thing I had to, I had to trick uh, Tabitha and Angel into watching The Unbearable Weight, a massive talent, because neither of them, they hate Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. So I told him, I told Tabitha, I'm like, hey, let's watch this new. Pedro Pascal and Tiffany Haddish film. She's like, Oh, <laughs> Tiffany Haddish. I'm like, yeah, it's really good. It's really funny. She's like, yeah, I'm gonna watch that. Yeah,
1: she's in it for seven minutes. Yeah.
2: So we go down and we start watching it. And then I just feel the glare next to me, right? From, from both sides. Cause I got daughter on one wife on the other. But what's funny is they were laughing through the whole film, right? So they, they really liked the movie. And then I'm like, well, I have to watch Paddington two now. So we watch Paddington two angels response afterwards was, she's like, I liked it. I think I was just expecting more. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So you're gonna you're gonna have to talk to your sister, Alex. Um, yeah, I will. Yeah, you need to you need to text her uh, tonight and uh, recorrect her opinion on Paddington Two. Of course. Uh, any any favorite moments for Paddington Two for you, Brad? Uh it's the hug at the end. It is the hug. Does that get yeah. you? Oh God, it's so good. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm gonna tear up again thinking about it. Uh, okay, well, anything else on the unbearable weight of massive talent? any other notes
1: i say people i mean if you don't like Nicolas cage i think after this you'll have a different appreciation for him um because this performance is really good and it's dare i say nuanced in a way and but you also get the nick cage as well um the third act is really messy like i i I don't want to like it's really messy and it turns into a weird action film at the end, which they allude to and they joke about how hard at third acts are. Um, and it feels like they cop out in this a little bit because then it turns into like a Nick Cage film. Um, so like the revel the resolution of the actual scenario they're in with Lucas doesn't seem to ever come to an end because then we just Switch to a movie, and it's like, Oh, audience, forget about that. Just Nick Cage is back. Not that he ever went anywhere, but he's back. <laughs> um, so with that caveat, which I don't think like really messes up the film at all, I just think you got to talk about some of the missteps, and that's to me is the biggest misstep. But the LSD stuff is some of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Like it was so good. Um, and again you have to have Nick cage, like selling that performance on top of the wall, trying to pull him over. And then like Pedro being such a good actor, like selling it as well. And like, it, it's so funny. It, it's just so funny. And uh yeah, I, I think don't let, if you don't like Nick cage, don't let that get in the way of, of watching this. And if you like it, you've probably, if you like Nick cage, you've probably seen it or you want to. So
2: yeah, and I, I'd say go watch it again. The, this yeah. time around the, There was more comedy in some of these throwaway lines when um, they're they're trying to run away from something. And uh, first of all, I love the shoe exchange scene. That's another one of my favorite scenes because the love between those two men when they're just looking at each other's shoes and and it's awesome.
1: How come neither of them were like, wow, we're the same size shoe? (laughs) (laughs) Would you not like Alex, if you and I were like, hey, I like your shoes. You like my shoes. Oh, he was to trade them and we're the exact same size or we can wear each other's shoes. <laughs> Would we not mention that fact?
3: Yeah. I think yeah. we'd also just be best friends for life and like yeah, just yeah. start tr- trading clothes and doing the freaky Friday thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but there, there's a little. So you don't they, want to be in a near 40 year old body. <laughs> <trying> <laughs> so, there,
2: so there's a sequence um there. And then also when they're trying to escape where he's telling Nicholas Cage, hey, you got to drive the car. And he's like, I can't drive the car. And they go, well, no, no, no. I saw in the special features, you did all your own, you know, driving stunts and gone in 60 seconds. He's like, oh yeah, right. I can drive the car or when they're running. And he's like, no, no, no. In national treasures, that wasn't the stuntman. That was you, running. So I was picking mm-hmm. up on all of Pedro, Pedro or Javi as a character correcting Nicolas Cage in terms of what he can or can't do based on all of the special features that he watched in his films, which I thought was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you got to watch it. I think there's enough meat here, uh, from an entertainment standpoint, that you can watch it again and again and get you know some new comedic beats out of it each time. Um, yeah,
3: I I think my problem with this movie is it does the same thing that adaptation with Nicolas Cage does, which is like it's it's not trying to hide its love for cinema and like it starts out um, like as an absurd comedy and. Like, it, I think it's very great. Like, I think it's a film for a while. And then it does the thing where, like, I don't know. They say they need explosions for there to be the the trailer moment. Like, catch everyone with the trailer. But then that's the entire third act. Like, they, I think it goes a little too far in that direction. And then ends up kind of, like, going back on what it wanted to be. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about that?
1: No, you're right. Yeah. I think the third yeah. act... It's the, the third act, act almost lets this movie down. It, it, uh, well, but you, you bring up a good point, Alex. I mean, but it, it's, he also wears the, he also does the disguise thing, which carries it quite a bit.
3: Yeah. The it, comedy lasts into the third act. Yes. I think it's everything else other than the comedy. And I guess the performances kind of slip a little in the third
1: act. I don't, well, but the wife's performance in the third act is really good. Like, yeah. that's where I thought, like, oh, she can act like she's good. Like, yeah,
2: I, I don't think I wasn't expecting that. From none her. of the performances slip, I just don't think they have enough to do. So, I, I feel like after the shoe exchange, um, it starts to run out of a screenplay where the characters can interact, and so you, yeah, you do go for those explosions trailer moments. Like, for me, the third act where it slips up a little bit is it doesn't have it's got comedy, and the performances are there. It's just not as strong because I don't think they have time to do it because they're they're you know in a car chase or they're doing all this other stuff.
1: Yeah, but then you think about like how do you resolve the conflict with Javi and Lucas? It's like of course there has to be they they have to have some sort of showdown at some point in time, and they've been alluding to this other guy who you know needs to wants to sell his or whatever you know, and he's been gone for so long. So you know, it's your it's your trope of you know tell me about a character in the first act and have them show up in the third act show up in quotes because it's nick cage but you know i i don't want to be too critical of the third act because it's like how would i how would you make it better like i don't know if you can with the story they're telling but
2: this isn't it (laughs) sorry um i don't know well i i don't know i'll say hot fuzz managed to do it but i think hot fuzz well, hot fuzz is
1: infinitely better than that.
2: it it is but there's something about that third act that all of a sudden you're having a shootout in a grocery store there's a car chase but they stop it to pick up the goose and then there's the big action sequence over the model i mean the film perfectly comes together in hot fuzz for that third act of everything that it was setting up in the beginning it uses it for that third act i don't think this film uses everything that it was doing in the first two act for a great setup it could have it could have borrowed mm-hmm. more of those jokes and everything it tries to i mean you get the golden guns right from face off mm-hmm. it, it tries to bring some of that stuff in there but it i i think it's missing some beats to hit the highs that hot fuzz did in its third act but um i i think it's interesting alex you said it started out as a film and becomes a, a movie do you do, I'm wondering if it starts out trying to be the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, but at the end of it, it's like, nope, we're Paddington too. Like we're we're 100 yeah. percent
1: No, like we're face off is what it kind of goes into. Hey, well, I gotta ask you,
2: you know is, is Paddington two a movie or a film?
1: It's a film, my friend.
2: Okay. Yeah. Good. I was hoping you'd say that. I I think it's I think it's cinema. I think it's oh, yeah, it. I think it's cinema. Paddington two is cinema. Okay. I I agree with it. Some would say
1: it's the pinnacle. of
2: (laughs) (laughs) What else, Alex? I mean, so what you were saying in the beginning that there was something that detracted you from the film. It's that third act then.
3: Yeah, it's specifically the moment. um, I like the conversation. It's between Nicolas Cage and Tiffany Haddish. It's after the LSD scene. And it's when she like suggests like the trailer moment. And then after that, it kind of goes off the rails for me. I'm not sure how it flow, like how well the genres flow together either, because I don't like, there's like five different genres in this movie. And like, it's hard to know which one I'm watching at a certain point of time. Um, But yeah, like I say all that stuff, but I love it. It's so entertaining. It's really funny throughout. Um, I just think it kind of goes back on itself and, I don't know. Maybe I just wanted to see a more artsy movie. Like the first half where it's just them like talking about their love of movies. And um, I don't know, I guess I maybe wish it was that. I did have a question to ask you guys because you've seen thousands more movies than I have. Um, Something I've been trying to focus on recently is like, like how do you tell when someone's a good actor? So like, Nick cage is someone to me that like, he's just always, it's like most acting. I can't tell if it's like best verse. Most acting is something I'm kind of interested yeah, in. He's and, the like,
1: most actor. He does the most.
3: Yeah. But then it, he does pig, which I don't think he does like the most acting in, but I think he's really good in that. So I don't know. I guess I kind of wanted to hear your guys thoughts on like, I guess what makes Pedro Pascal, um, like what makes his performance so good and Nick cage and, um, I guess just in general
1: isn't it like situational like believing like how 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 you believe in that in the what the character in that situation is doing and like how they're acting mm-hmm. if it feels like it's genuine and real but sometimes that that doesn't even um, fits um, I, I don't know it's hard because you know we, we all think of Tom Hanks as, you know, the greatest, one of the greatest actors of all time, mm-hmm. but you see him in the Elvis movie and you're like, what the hell are you doing? Like, this is not a good performance, but he's a great actor. I mean, I don't think that performance is very good. I think Tom Hanks he's- is a
2: good actor. I, I wouldn't say he's one of the greatest actors. I think Tom Cruise or excuse me, Tom Hanks has been in some of the, the best films of Ooh. recent but my problem always with Tom Hanks is he is a little bit of Tom. He's always Tom Hanks.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, but like there's moments in like captain Phillips, like especially at the end. Oh, I think, I like, think
2: he's fantastic in that one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and so it, it's really hard. Like, I, I just think, and again, it's subjective, right? Like, what do you think is good? But I think there are moments where you're, you believe this person you're seeing um is is real like the performances in something like marriage story where you see these two people argue and fight and and like i've never like that's not something i'm accustomed to in my real life um marriage wise but like you know you've seen situations like that before and the one you're seeing on screen hits all those marks and so you're like oh that's good because i I know that these people, I've seen it happen before. Um, but yeah, but you're right, Alex. Like sometimes Nicolas Cage does the most. Um, and, and sometimes more acting isn't better acting, it's just more. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, again, Mandy and Pig, like he does good stuff. Um, hell, I mean, he's won an Academy Award before. So. Um, it's there's, it's, it's there's just hard. There's an
2: authenticity that can come out of Nick Cage and its
1: effort. And I it, think he would be the first person to admit there's been times where he's just doing it to get paid, and ooh, you can tell.
2: I I don't know. I've I always thought Nick Cage was doing, like one thing you can say about Nick Cage when he's in a film. I I've never felt like Nick Cage wasn't trying.
1: I don't know. There's there's some of those straight to streaming stuff that it's you can tell. I mean. If you want to see like Nick Cage, like doing the most acting, like see something like vampires kiss or wicker man, like he is doing so much in those movies. Um Those are definitely movies. Um Yeah. Why? It's, what a, it's, a, good, it's a good question. What makes a good actor is a I, tough question.
2: I, I think it's authenticity. So mm-hmm. to your point, Brad, like within the situation, does it feel authentic do I do I believe the words that are coming out of that person's mouth? Or do I believe their eyes? Because we've had this conversation before. Like you have some actors that they don't have to talk. And they can sell you 100% from their expressions uh, or their looks. And there's an authenticity that comes through to where they're in that moment. They're living that character. And it, and it just comes through, right? And I think the other thing, too, is there are some movies uh, like – Pedro Pascal, this is a great example. When he's not on screen, I miss him when I'm watching this film.
1: Yeah. If you ask yourself, where's Pedro?
2: Yeah. Or like
1: any actor, like you start to figure out like, well, where are they? What are they doing? I want to see them. That's when you kind of know.
2: They got your hook. At least the character
1: has, has reeled you in. And usually that's because the performance is so good or they're interesting. And that's usually because the performance is interesting.
2: Yeah, and, and Tom Hanks is, to me, interesting because I, I would never slight anybody who thinks he's the greatest actor of all time. you would be like, yeah, he's got some great performances out there. But for me, I like his charisma, but I don't ne- necessarily think that he, in all of his films, delivers this amazing performance. I think he delivers a great Tom Hanks charisma, but he can deliver some amazing performances. Tom Cruise is another one. I think Tom Cruise is a bona fide movie star. I think Tom Cruise has had acting moments, like Born in the Fourth of July. I think he is a he can be a really good actor, but I think Tom Cruise leans in on his charisma and movie star stardom more than his acting skills. But I, I like that, right? Um,
1: yeah, I just watched
2: I, re- I just rewatched Eyes
1: Wide Shut um, a few weeks ago, and it still baffles me that that performance kind of goes unnoticed. He's so good in it. He's, he's so good. It,
2: he can, he can turn it on and he can be a great actor. Uh, but I, he, he also understands, you know, what he can do with like mission impossible and he can let that Tom Cruise charm and charisma come through. Now, some people find it creepy. I happen to, you know, he, I like it. Right. So, um, but yeah, I, I don't, it's a good question. I I think it comes down to subjectivity And also authenticity, like how Heath Ledger, I mean, my goodness, the Joker. Mm -hmm. Why would you ever bring that character back after what Heath Ledger did? But there was a cost to it, too, from a mental health perspective. I mean, he went some deep, dark places to bring that authenticity into that character. And my goodness, you know, some people would say that 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 role cost him his life to a certain degree. Who knows?
3: Yeah. Have you guys seen... Um, leaving Las Vegas, the one yes, Cage love one it. Mm-hmm. Was- oh yeah, yep. so I watched about half of it, and it was. I think it was kind of a rough watch for me. Like I was like, "Dang, this is a lot." I'm not sure this is what I'm feeling at noon on a Tuesday or whenever <laughs> yeah, I watched it. It's
2: tr- w- w- it's transgressive emotional cinema. Mm-hmm. The yeah. Elizabeth yeah. shoe's so good in it too, man. She's fantastic. Um. All right. What else? Any other final thoughts on unbearable weight? Okay, well, I'm going to ask the question. I'm going to start with you, Alex. The unbearable weight, a massive talent from April of this year. Is it a bomb? Not a bomb. All right. I like it. Is Paddington two a bomb? Not a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Brad. First time watch Nikki Cage. What'd you think? Is it a bomb? Not a bomb at all. Nick fucking cage. I agree. So that, that makes three for three. Unbearable weight, a massive talents, not a bomb. Please go watch it. And if you've seen it, go watch it again. And uh if you were like me living in the dark and had never seen Paddington 2, go freaking watch Paddington 2. Watch Paddington. The first one's really good. I I saw that at the uh, at the request of Alex and, and loved it. I just didn't know Paddington 2 would change my <laughs> life, man. That was that was freaking fantastic. Hey Brad, we have some listener feedback. You want to go through it? Yes, please. Okay. Uh we got a couple of interesting things. I want to start with this one uh, because it, it talks about a film I kind of didn't know much about. So it's from our friend, Philip says, Hey guys, hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. I saw this article earlier this month that details the interesting backstory and legacy of the early eighties anima- animated film, the last unicorn. I remember at the time it was so very different in tone and scope than other animated films I had seen up to that time. It really is an interesting film originally intended for adults, which wasn't really being done in the early eighties. Had, had you guys heard about this film?
1: Oh, yeah. I've seen that quite a few times. Really? Not at all. Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: Uh, yeah. I think I knew so, uh, of it, but I I didn't really pay attention to it till Philip sent this article. I read this article, uh, and it was super interesting. I didn't even know that there was a special edition Blu-ray out there now. Um, is it worth tracking down, Brad? Philip definitely says it is.
1: I think so. Like, it's weird. My, my babysitter growing up, and I've alluded to this a few times, we watched things like... How are the Duck Solar Babies, Legend, The Last Unicorn, like all these weird things that like I don't know why at the age of 7 I was watching all that stuff, but it's just like what she had on VHS. So that's what we watched and I remember The Last Unicorn quite a bit. So I've probably seen it countless times because, you know, you're at daycare and you you see it all the time. So
2: okay. Is it something that interests you, Alex or you're gonna go on to your next uh, Apple TV show.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
3: I
2: looked it up; it seems like something my girlfriend would like, so I might check it out. Okay, uh, we got something else from Linus. He says, "Yeah, hey. I think that's a oh. Shout
1: Factory release, Troy."
2: Yeah, it's a it's a special edition oh. Shout Factory. It's like pretty cheap too nine, ten bucks. So I'm definitely gonna pick it up because that article got me. I did not know the voice cast and every everybody was involved in it, so I'm definitely gonna check that out.
1: Yeah, Alan Uh, Arkin and yeah, mm -hmm. Jeff Bridges. Bridges. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. So this came from Linus, a friend over in the UK. Says, "Hey, the UK was very much. Oi, Governor. Sorry, Governor. (laughs) (laughs) So I I wonder if I can read this. The UK very much (laughs) Team Brad regarding Shawshank. Yeah, Team Brad. (laughs) It was a favorite and early DVD purchase for pretty much everyone I know. I think I'm sounding Australian. Yeah, British. Yeah. Was the ultimate hangover movie in university halls in 1999. You know what? I believe that Mm -hmm. that thing just has a pace to it. Uh, Not thrilling,
1: but yeah, you could like pass out for a little bit. Wake up. Yeah.
2: Okay. I get that. Uh, Linus goes on and says, didn't view it as schmaltz. I hate force Gump and didn't like the green mile for being sentimental. Tosh. Tosh. Yeah. Is that. British I think it's like bullshit. Oh, okay, cool. Um, Brad for the win. Really enjoy yeah. your show. There you go. Thanks, Linus. Uh, we got something from Michael. It says, as a longtime reader of Stephen King's work, I okay, read. Tosh. Oh, Tosh.
1: Chiefly Britain slang. It is rubbish, trash, nonsense, or boulder dash.
2: Oh. Yeah, I like Tosh better than any of yeah, those. Yeah, Tosh works. is much better. Okay. <laughs> nonsense. Nonsense. Basically... Okay. All right, going back to Michaels. Uh, as a longtime reader of Stephen King's work, I read Rita Hayworth in The Shawshank Redemption in 1982, included in the Different Seasons collection. I, I, did you read this, Brad, too? Did you read mm. Different Seasons? Mm. You have a yep. copy of it? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. I believe it's my mom's. Oh, okay. It was very different from what I would usually expect from King and I wasn't old enough to really appreciate the deeper aspects of the story. When I watched the Shawshank Redemption, it was a different matter. The themes of hope and friendship were more apparent to me, but also how much the characters were fleshed out rather than the usual prison film, which were usually stereotypes. It was and still is a deeply moving film to watch. Of course, there are some issues with the film, and I slightly prefer the Green Mile. I agree with you, Michael. Uh, but this ranks as one of the very best King adaptions, Dr. Sleep being my favorite. I agree with you, too. That Dr. Sleep's fantastic. All the best, Michael. There you go. Every, everybody's on your side on this one, Brad. I thought it was really good. I just... Snow Paddington, too. <laughs> uh, Alex, what's going on with Friends with Cinefits?
3: Um. Yeah, I've been doing a... Like, a guide to watching movies for, just
2: I don't know, people who want to films
3: or movies films. Sorry. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I use the word movies. So more people are interested, I guess. Um, But I don't know. That's kind of gotten me. I think I have one more episode to post, Um, but I don't know. It's kind of revived my like um, desire to explore more cinema. Um, So I'm excited to catch up on a lot of stuff that I've missed. Um, but yeah that's about it I I don't know I've kind of been doing my own thing with um, the Friends of Cinefits podcast just kind of doing whenever I want um, yeah. and yeah it's been nice it's just something I can do to for fun to talk about movies um, I feel like most of my friends if I'm like hey you guys should watch this or have you seen it and if it's not a Marvel movie then they don't know about it so I don't always have like an oh, outlet tosh. <laughs> yeah I don't always have an outlet to talk about the films I want to. So that's what it's there for, for me.
2: So has there been a director? So you're going down this uh, film movement, right? With mm-hmm. this new discovery, has there been a new director or genre that you've kind of picked up recently and you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm going down the rabbit hole.
3: Um, man, that's, that's a hard question. Um, I know you I'm watch a lot of stuff,
2: man. I'm in,
3: yeah, I try to, I'm trying to do a lot more, Um, have a lot more diversity too because for a while I would just pick a director and watch all of their movies and then um, I don't know sometimes it's a lot of the same mood or tone so I've just been trying to I don't know balance out my film watching with movies Um, I'm excited to look into more um, William Friedkin films Um, I finally watched Easy Rider by Dennis Hopper. And that was awesome. I feel like that's kind of a um, a milestone movie, I guess. Um, yeah. I, I also, there's a lot of Scorsese movies that I need to check out. So hopefully checking out those. And other than The Godfather and Apocalypse Now, I haven't seen any other Coppola films. So hopefully going to check those out soon too.
2: Okay, cool. Well, everybody, you can just find Alex on our website Um, And wherever you get your podcasts. Now, Brad, we're going to continue this month talking about movies that bombed this year. I got the first pick with unbearable weight of massive talent. What are you throwing our way for next week?
1: Yeah, Troy, I am picking a film so nice they released it twice. It is Sony's Morbius.
2: Morbius.
1: And if you don't know, Morbius bombed and a bunch of nerds on the Internet decided to be funny to tweet at Sony to bring it back out again. So they did. And then no one saw it again. So it bombed <laughs> twice.
2: It's going to be an interesting discussion because uh, we get the to Internet talk about it. memes
1: its... do not mean ticket sales, Troy.
2: Oh, Tosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new word uh brad i think you and i might be showing up on a on another podcast here shortly right we
0: are
1: we are finally making our way over to the vhs files we are doing uh the last dragon show sure enough so, people, so yeah show sure enough people always have us come on to do kung fu style and films. ninja movies. i don't know if we've, we've tight cast ourselves but you know whatever i'm totally I will stay cool with in that, that lane
2: i will stay in that lane you can kiss my converse yeah show sure enough so ready to talk about that film okay well <laughs> Uh, if anybody wants to, do you, ha- do you have to? What? Do you even have to rewatch that film? I've watched it already a couple times this year, but I'm going to watch it again. I watch yeah. it a couple times every year. I, the, the question is, what of my Last Dragon T-shirts do I wear for the podcast? Ooh, I don't okay. know which one. I've got like four or five of them. Wear so, them all. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah,
1: do like a you know, like you're hosting the Oscars and you just, just come out in a different dress yeah. right in
2: the middle of it. Just uh, take it off. Okay, cool. Uh Brad, where do people send us feedback or suggest cool movies like The Last Unicorn?
1: Yeah, that's not a bomb at gmail.com. You can head over to Not A Bomb Podcast and hit the contact us button. Um, you will also find friends with Cinefits there. And uh yeah, Alex, I've been really liking the kind of the shorter, more bite-sized episodes you're yeah. just doing. Um, it's really kind of cool and, and it kind of sets your Podcasts apart a little bit, you know. We've all got podcasts mm-hmm. that go two hours, but fifteen to twenty minutes is really nice too. So um, yeah, keep that going.
2: I love it. Thanks. I do.
3: I, Thanks I for like letting it me uh, put it up on your guys' website.
2: I appreciate it. Are you kidding? We're getting your back. We're going to get you back here on a more regular basis too, because I, I miss. We did uh, a better movie
1: than Ready to Rumble too.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, shut up. You know that's a classic. <laughs> you know what? Maybe we'll have Alex next time for something. uh What was that Hulk Hogan movie? No Holds Barred. Yeah, we'll do that
1: one. Yeah, No Holds Barred.
2: I watched that for the first time with
3: you, Troy. I remember as a kid. I know. <laughs> we had a blast is that the movie forever.
1: where the guy in the background just kicks the dog into the lake? Uh for creek?
2: I I, think
1: creek? I think
2: there is. The thing I just remember about that film is when Hulk Hogan has that action sequence in the parking garage. And that driver just yells out, Dookie. And I remember Alex.
1: It's Dookie! I remember
2: Alex turning to me just laughing his butt <laughs> off at the... At the <laughs> At the phrase dookie so that's that's my memory of that uh so what's better that or suburban commando i've never seen suburban commando (laughs) really should we do a double feature maybe yeah we might have to okay but no you're coming back alex and um awesome call your other mom uh and text your other sister and tell her she's wrong about paddington too um, what else go and visit our website to check out all of our other friends and their podcasts, like Gentleman's guide, watch, get plus VHS files. There's, there's a whole list of them. I know I'm forgetting something. mixtape podcast. Um,
1: Die living podcast.
2: Yeah. What, what else, Brad? Is that about it? Is that-
1: That's about it. Yeah.
2: Okay, uh, I do not know if you are listening in the morning, the afternoon, or evening. Thank you for downloading the show. Go out and watch The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. It is fantastic. Watch Paddington too. And if you wanna play along, I think it's on Netflix. You can go watch Morbius and then come back here and hear our thoughts on it. So we'll check you next week.
1: Don't lose your head.